You're listening to Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas on the line with Jim Williams. We're following Jim and his quest to win a Masters National Championship on the velodrome. So, Jim, how are you feeling? We're uh, in February of 2016. Got a month under your belt. How many times have you been at the track this year? Oh, wow. I'd have to actually, I probably, I've been to Colorado Springs. Eight, eight or ten times so far this year. So I've really been, I've really spent a lot of time, a lot more time on the track uh, this year than I did last year. And I think that I am, uh, I am much farther along this time than I was this time last year. And how do you feel that prepares you differently? I mean, one great thing about an indoor trainer, and I know most people hate them, but you can get so specific with your workouts on an indoor trainer. A lot better for you to be out on the track? Um, well, it's always great to be on the track, um, number one. But number two, we, we still do a lot of indoor work as well. Um, today, I did a lot of cadence work, and the best place to do that is on a set of rollers in a small gear so you can spin your legs as fast as you can, as long as you can, and um, uh, without you know, having to worry about having a lot of wattage on top of it. So in addition to being on the track, which is great, it's also great to be able to get on your rollers and do specific work geared towards specific goals, such as increasing your cadence. And whether that's 5, 10, 20, 30, or 60 second cadence, you've got to work on them all. And, um, and so actually, that's what I, that was part of what I did today. I had cadence work and gym work today. So, Jim, how much time do you spend training per week in February? Uh, well, you know, it actually depends a little bit. Um, I think, you know, Jim really may, monitors training stress score more than time on the bike. Um, and Jim um, is Jim Capra, your coach. That's right. Um, but that would be probably a good question for him. But I would say anywhere between, you know, right now, maybe nine to 12 hours a week, I guess, on the bike. Um, I'd have to actually, I, I, I actually don't even really pay attention to it myself. You know, I get my workouts from him and, and I just do them. Um, but, um, I do look at the training stress scores, um, you know, each week just out of curiosity for, but for, but for no other reason. Um, but I think that's, I think that's how he really keeps track of, you know, time. And, you know, I think he monitors time and training stress and probably training stress score more than any, but more than time. So Jim, what are some of the things that you have to deal with as an athlete who's in his mid to early 50s, uh, as you're putting so much time in on the bike? Well, I think recovery is key for everybody, but I think as you become a more a, a master's athlete, um, and I think it's even more important um, <clears throat> for somebody you know, my age to be not only focused on the workouts, but particularly focused on recovery. You know, and in addition, I think we really have to pay attention, you know, to what our bodies are telling us and be very, and I need to do a better job of this with my coach, but be very 
open with your coach about how you're feeling. Um, and I probably don't do a good enough job about with doing that, but I think it's really important, you know, to do that with your coach as you become, you know, as you, to frankly, as you age, as, you know, older athletes need a lot, I think, a lot more recovery than a younger athlete. I can remember being able to do things and, you know, keep going. And now I do something and you know, I need to rest. So I, I take advantage of it when I can. And communication with your coach. I mean, you've got to be so open with that person about everything you're feeling. And I mean, the coach is almost a, a counselor, isn't he? He is. And, and my coach probably knows more about me than my family. I tend to hide things from my family and I'm very open about things with my coach, but you know, he needs to know those things. And, uh, um, but yeah, I think communication with your coach is key. If you're lucky enough to have a coach, um, <clears throat> or if you're serious enough to have a coach, then you need to take advantage of it. And you know, if you don't utilize all aspects of it, then you're wasting your time and your money, to be quite honest. And part of that is communication and telling him or her, you know, how you feel after a workout, you know, are your legs heavy or did you have trouble breathing, you know, and how you feel the next day is the workout that he or she gave you, you know, not right because you're still feeling the effects from the workout from the previous day. And I really think I have a good rapport and communication with my, with my coach who I communicate with numerous times a day. I'll get, sometimes a half a dozen text messages from him asking me how I am, how was the workout, what do I need, and I take advantage of it, and I try to be open and honest with him as, as much as possible. Now, you have a medical condition that, does that even make your communication with the coach even more important? Um, you're HIV positive. I am HIV positive, um, and, and I think, for me, it does, um, <clears throat> but... You know, and, and one of the first things, you know, I did when I started training the THT and gym was to let them know about my, you know, my medical condition that I had HIV. Um, and, you know, I was part of a, you know, I'm pretty open about it. Not pretty open about it. I am open about it. You know, it's, um, and I was on a race team when we did RAM in 2011 and 2012. We were on a team called Team 4 HIV Hope. And the racers and the crew members either had HIV or had been affected by HIV or and AIDS. And, um, so, so it makes it a little bit, um, more challenging for him probably because he probably is a little bit more cautious with pushing me as hard as I want to be pushed because of it. And, um, and, uh, I tend to want to go, go, go. And, I think sometimes he is the voice of reason and will say, no, no, we need to take a day off. And then I try to listen. Now, question for you. Um, are you kind of a groundbreaking athlete here? Or I'm thinking of your Ram team. There can't be a whole lot of uh, studies or information out there about how being an endurance athlete and being HIV positive, how those coexist. We actually, the second year in 2012, we actually did a study um, for that very purpose. Um, a, a researcher at the University of Boston um, participated, you know, did a study of, of the uh, team members, 
And we basically, you know, part of the part of the protocol was we had our blood drawn uh, once a day, and that was um, tested for, you know, T cells, um, <clears throat> the viral load, the hematocrit, everything was tested, you know, liver function, kidney function. And they made a determination that we were able to, and all of the HIV positive racers were able to recover just as quickly as the um, racers who didn't have HIV. And we had two racers who were HIV positive and two racers who were not HIV positive in 2012 for that, pur- you know, for that purpose. And, but, you know, there are other things that happen along the way. Um, I ended up getting pneumonia that year. Um, because, you know, uh, because of the stress that you put on your lungs when you're, you know, racing 3,000 miles and climbing, what is it, 100,000 feet, George? I don't remember, yes, but it's, enough, it's an insane <laughs> amount. But by the time I hit West Virginia, you know, I was, you know, banging my head against the wall, you know, and um, it was really it was hard to breathe, but I ended up with pneumonia that year. Um, but other than that... Um, it was a pretty successful race. Um, and it was, I think it was a pretty successful study. But for your coach, Jim, Jim Capra, there's not a whole lot of information out there for him. Is there? Not that I know of. I've never, I've never heard of it. Any, any studies or information for HIV athletes or, um, and, uh, and, and frankly, you know, I just, you know, I'm sure that there are other, racers out there who have HIV, um, but for whatever personal reason, aren't willing to come forward with it. Um, when we were looking for racers for our RAM team, we talked with a, at least one, I was trying to remember, maybe two guys who were Cat 3 racers, but you know, when we explained that we were going to be completely open about our status and there were going to be you know, interviews and and reports done, they backed off. They didn't want to be part of it because they didn't want to be, you know, out with their status. And part of that has to do with the stigma that's attached to the virus and the disease. And, you know, the more, the more people who come out about it and say, hey, I'm HIV positive and I'm doing this, the, the more, uh, I guess, not accepting is not the right word, but, you know, the less, hopefully, will, the less stigma there will be about having the virus. And how do you feel as far as being accepted by other athletes, other athletes on the track? We, you know, I, I don't, nobody's ever said anything to me. When I was in New York, I was on a, uh, a race team, and certainly all of my um, my teammates knew about it, and I never had absolutely any issue with it. Um, there is no issue from a health standpoint with me racing with other people. Um, there's no danger to me or them. And I've never had, I've never met any resistance or had any negative comments made about me having HIV and racing. What did it feel like for you to get the diagnosis HIV positive? I actually knew I was HIV positive before I got 
the results back. And I was more upset about it the night before I got my test results. And, and I, and so, but the day I was getting my test results, I called my doctor and they were having a really hard time getting the results back. And so I called a friend of mine who was a physician and I said, Hey, will you, you know, get my test results? Here's my information. I know what they're going to be. And, um, you know, just call me and let me know because I just wanted to get it over with. And so, and that's part, part of my personality is when I set my mind to do something, I just kind of want to do it. And so he did, and he called me back, and he was more devastated than me because I had already had a night. I knew when I took the test what the results were going to be. And, and because I knew my body, and I knew how I felt, and it just it was a second sense. And so when I actually got the test results, it was like, okay, what are we going to do now? I want to get on medications right away. What can I do to stay healthy? And that was the focus when I got my diagnosis. Now, you were very competitive as a horseback rider. Then you got into cycling. Has this held you back at all? Well, it, it, it certainly poses certain challenges. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's ever held me back. Um, and, but it certainly poses certain challenges. Um, my lungs um, went through remodeling a few years ago, and I've been diagnosed with constrictive bronchitis, which is probably a result of the virus. Um, so my breathing is not what it was five years ago, um, but it's something that, you know, can be dealt with. Um, and I'm certainly not the only athlete um, that has, you know, constricted bronchitis and asthma um, and, and, and competes on a national and elite level. So, you know, there are, there are you know, there are issues, but they've all are capable of being dealt with. And I've got to say, you nor any of your four HIV Hope teammates, I have never heard you use HIV as an excuse. Nor will you. You'll never hear me use any excuse, much less you know, much less that. And 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 nor would you. And 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 I think that's you know just mentally where we are. It's. You know, it is a it is a condition that we have. It is definitely treatable, and it is definitely something that you know can be maintained, and we can live a long, healthy life if we take care of ourselves. We you know, and you know, you 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 lead a healthy lifestyle, whatever that is. You know, you can lead a long, healthy life, and you can do the things that we have done and what I am trying to do. Now, I know on your Ram team, you all gave a lot of inspiration to a number of people around the world. How do you feel as an individual when you're racing? Do you feel like you're doing this for a, a larger thing than just uh, competing on your bike? That you're actually, I mean, you're really a role model for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know about that, but uh, um, do I think about it when I'm on my bike? No. When I'm on my bike racing, I think about racing, and that's it. Um, and, and, and everybody who's racing, that's all that should be their focus when they're on the bike racing. Do I, have I really thought about it when I'm off my bike? 
a little bit? No. I mean, when we formed Team 4HIV Hope to be Lamb, that was our goal. We wanted to send a message to the cycling community and others that you can do this if you just, if you want to, and you train and you take care of yourself. And having HIV and even having an AIDS diagnosis isn't a death sentence anymore. The, the progress that has been made is phenomenal. The progress that's been made in the last 10 years with you know, the medications is phenomenal. And it, you know, getting a diagnosis of HIV positive or AIDS is no longer the death sentence that it was 20 years ago. And so you know, that's number one. Number two, it's completely, you know, it's like any other, you know, condition and I don't want to equate it to diabetes because it's not like diabetes at all, but like diabetes, it's something that you have to learn to live with and you have to take certain steps to maintain your health and your body. But, and then you can, you can do these types of events that I do. Um, but, but you know, I, I dislike it when people equate it to diabetes because frankly, you know, 25 years ago, you know, um, People were being thrown out of, people who had HIV or AIDS diagnosis were being, you know, thrown out of their apartments in New York City and San Francisco, or were sitting on gurneys in hospitals, you know, because the healthcare professionals wouldn't um, help them, or if a, if a paramedic, you know, came into a home and the person had AIDS, they would leave, and that didn't happen to people with diabetes, so I don't like to equate it to having diabetes because it's not. But like diabetes, which is a lifetime condition, you know, it can be maintained. So, Jim, how do you maintain? What kind of medication do you take? How often? I take a, I take a, a medication. I take my HIV medications daily. Um, my HIV medication is one pill, but it contains three different drugs. And those three different drugs attack the replication process of the HIV virus at three different stages of its life cycle. And that medication has a number of side effects. And so at any given time, I may have to take one or two or three or four other medications to help control some of the side effects. I'm pretty lucky. This is actually my third regimen. Um, and you know, I've been on, I started out on one regimen. I couldn't tolerate that very well. Um, I went to another regimen, um, which I changed. It would be, I think, about two years ago. It would be two years in April that I changed. So I've been on my current regimen um, for two years, and I've been very successful. The side effects are very low, which I'm really, really happy about. And, um, and it's been controlling the virus. My viral load is undetectable. I don't have any, um, I don't have any HIV virus in my, um, in my bloodstream. Um, we test the blood. And my T cells are in the high to normal range. So my, they don't really know what a normal, you know, T cell count is, but they say somewhere between 800 and 1200. And mine is in the 900. So, I lead. I try to lead a really healthy life. I eat well. I don't smoke. I drink in moderation. I exercise regularly, and I take my medications, and it's been successful. 
And do side effects affect your writing at all? Um, not really. I just kind of plug along, you know, for a lack of better word, if something happens. Um, you know, the, the worst thing, you know, is the breathing that I have to deal with um, and the cough that I get, but that's from the constricted bronchitis. Um, so, but normally, normally I would say no. They don't really affect my writing. Now, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have uh, Jim Capra join you, I think, next early next week and uh, talk about what it's like working with you, uh, working with the medical condition, and uh, really kind of being groundbreaking with this whole program. I hope he tells you that he doesn't treat me any differently than any other athlete, but I'm not sure that that's the case. (laughs) 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 But I would like to think, that he doesn't, but I don't know. We'll find out because he, he certainly wouldn't admit it to me, but we'll find out on next week. Now, Jim, speaking of next week in the future, what do you have coming up competition wise? Uh, Tuesday, we have another race day at the Colorado Springs. I'm planning on going to the Springs this weekend to train for at least one day. They canceled training. Monday and Tuesday night because of the snow. Um, and so I'm planning on going down either Saturday or, and or Sunday, um, probably just Monday this weekend. And then, um, and then I'll be back on Tuesday to race. And uh, I raced two weeks ago. It was much better. I thought I made better choices for my gearing and I had better results. And, uh, it's, and as always, it was a, it was a fun time. Um, but, uh, so I think I'll be there this weekend for at least one day, and then I'll be back there Tuesday to race. Now, with the snow, you did get out. You you did some training on your alpine skis, right? Yeah, yeah. I got out and did the wind skiing yesterday at Eldora for three or so hours and had a blast. Well, Jim, we are certainly looking forward to following you between now and the Masters National Championships in August in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, yep. Now, are you ever going to get out there and uh, ride the track before the, the races in August? No, I don't think so. Um, I need to do some um, studying uh, online and see what the track is like. You know, between um, the Springs and Erie and um, Carson, where I train also in California, um, I should be able to get you know, a track that's got similar geometry. Um, so... So, but I need to find out a little bit more about the track, its size, you know, how its corners are. Does it have long straightaways, small corners, short straightaways, big corners? How is it banked? And 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 then I'll try to find a local track that's as close as possible to do to do a, a good bit of training on. Jim, as always, it's great chatting with you. Really appreciate you taking the time. As always, it's my pleasure, George. Appreciate it. Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.